Hey, Jesse here. Are you looking for a little extra focus in your day? Go to extrafocus.com and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. It's a lot like this podcast, but in written form and delivered directly to your inbox once a week so you can read it at your own pace. I always keep it short so it's a quick read to help inspire your week with ADHD strategies and more. And speaking of strategies, when you sign up, you'll also get access to my ADHD strategy guide, the five pillars of ADHD. And if you want to take it to the next level, you can sign up for the paid version of the newsletter. It's like giving me a high five, uh, but with your wallet. Seriously, thank you for the support. It helps keep the lights on and allows me to continue to do this important work. Again, just go to extrafocus.com to sign up today. I feel like there should be a like a, an MLC, uh, which is the minimum level of chaos. <laughs> right in, uh-huh. in, in our lives of just to feel i guess it, it, it's to tread water if you will the the treading the actual act of treading is like it's the chaos right mm. whereas okay if the chaos dies down then there is no more movement in the treading of water then you are just actually sinking hey my name is jesse j anderson host of the adhd nerds podcast the show where we talk about living with adhd and have some fun along the way This is episode eight, and if my audio sounds a little off, uh, that's because I forgot to record this intro before I left on vacation, and I'm currently recording it in a hotel room. But don't worry, the rest of the episode should sound great. Uh, Today, I'm meeting with Kara Minder, who is a course creator, entrepreneur, and sort of a modern-day philosopher. In this episode, we talk about some of his theories on how the human brain works and what his experience has been like with ADHD. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Llama Life. Say goodbye to never-ending lists and hello to daily bliss. Llama Life is a perfect tool for managing time-boxed working sessions. You can whiz through your monstrous to-do list, finish your work on time, and get the things done that you said you would do. To get your free trial, go to ADHDnerds.com llama, that's L-L-A-M-A, and get started today. And you can save 20% by using the coupon code JESSELLAMA20. That's J-E-S-S-E-L-L-A-M-A-2-0. Now let's get to the show. Thank you so much for being here, Kara Minder. Uh, we've known each other for about probably about a year now. Uh, we connected online, just finding each other on Twitter. And uh, yeah, it's awesome to uh, sit down and chat with you again today. Um, I'd love to start and just sort of hear your history with ADHD. When did you find out that you had it? And what did that story look like? Wow. Okay, so official diagnosis was November of 2019. I've always heard about it, but I didn't know. I just didn't, didn't wasn't exposed to anyone who had it or the term was thrown around as someone, I don't know, what do you say? It's like someone who can't pay attention. And, and now I now that I know better, what I thought was just ADHD is probably called like hyperactive. And by the way, that is not my uh, diagnosis. Mine is inattentive. Mm-hmm. So I was with my ex at the time and she wanted to go to couples therapy, not because we we're fine or anything, but she just believed I was always wrong. Let's just put it that way. She just believed I was wrong. And I'm like, <laughs> hell yes, I've always wanted to have therapy. Like it was, it's actually been a dream of mine. Like I've, I'm like always thinking one day, I'm like, people talk about therapy. I would like to do that. But <laughs> I, I, I kind of thought of it like a bit like a massage, right? Like, oh, it's nice to have a massage. And, uh, and that's kind of how I thought about it and treated it. So any, it, the moment it came up, I'm like, yes, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. And then right. uh, I could tell my ex was a little frustrated through the sessions because she clearly had expectations. She didn't like it that, that the therapist would say things like, well, like he's all good to go, like, you know, very flexible and everything. So what, what's really the problem here? And that, that's what, she, you know, therapist would give us exercises. I do the exercises. She wouldn't. Uh, and then finally, like the, the therapist, I think I forget which session she said, she 
said, I don't think she was like properly, how do you say, like the right credentials in which she could diagnose me. Okay. But she says that a lot of the patterns I exhibited or that was discussed is synonymous with ADHD. And so therefore I should seek out, and these, these are keywords, guys, these are keywords. <laughs> Seek out an evaluation, keyword number one, from a psychiatrist, keyword number two, being very specific, not not uh, psychologist, but psychiatrist. And I forget all the medical like requirements that are associated with these words, but apparently psychiatrist does have a medical degree and can prescribe medication. And I think that makes it proper. So mm-hmm. I then started hunting on the internet. And of course, any psychiatrist near me, I would call and... Even their website would say, yeah, we're taking new patients. You call and they're like, no, no patients. Right. Mm-hmm. No patients for you. No patient, no new patients. It's <laughs> like that one Drake song, no new friends. It was except no new patients. All right. No patients. And that was quite frustrating. So frustrating. It like, I felt a little depressed. I felt a little mm-hmm. beaten down by it. I'm like, this is so frustrating. And then I could actually, I don't know why, but I felt my ADHD's got to me worse and worse and worse. And what I mean by that is it's that sense and feeling of being always feeling constantly behind and the overwhelm. And I write about this. I write about this on my on my blog. I call it, uh, this, the piece is called My Everest Pursuit of Normal. Just for me to be normal was was like climbing Everest. Now, I should say I've not climbed Everest, but it's I imagine it to be so. Uh, and it was probably the biggest challenge of my life, just to get to normal, if you will. Hmm. Uh, and I know that I use that because once I finally found a psychiatrist and the only way i found one is because at the gym i went to there was a fellow doctor who worked out with with us and it's like group group uh group classes type of thing mm-hmm. and i was just kind of like so exasperated i was like do you do you know anybody do you do you have any sort of connections any sort of like friend you went to college with that you barely speak to and you probably forgot their last name just anybody and right. she goes hmm, give me your phone number and i'll call you back or i'll message you you know, in like a week or so. And like, I think it took out to be two to three weeks. And she got me in with somebody who, who was not taking on new patients, but it was, you know, November towards the end of the year. And she was going to take on new patients at the beginning of the year, but took me on, did my evaluation. And I think, I think I was pretty textbook as far as like what <laughs> I shared. And mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't any really conflict within this person I could tell of, is he or isn't he? Meaning me. Uh, I, I totally was. So she, Put me on meds. Do you do you remember like what sort of things you were telling her? Like when she was like, "Hey, hey, here you are today. You th- you might think you have ADHD. Like, why do you think that? Like, do you remember kind of what that was like and what kind of things you yeah, shared?" Yeah, I, I know that she was trying to dig dig questions as far as um, is this now or is this in the past or has this been a pattern mm-hmm. of behavior? And I'm like, no, no, it's this is actually I can connect the dots now to looking back, and it's always been there, mm-hmm. and. This is what I perceive as normal, and I'm only knowing now realizing or learning that it is not based on what little research I've done since the time that this couple's th- uh, therapist said that she had a hunch about me. I'm like, okay, right. Started looking to a little bit more, and then, and then I've always like Jesse when I was young, and I had moved around a lot. Like I was, if you can tell slightly from my accent that comes and peaks out. I'm born in England. Mm-hmm. It's born in London. All right, it's born in London. And grew up there till I was 10 years old and then moved to California. And even still in these schools, uh, we, we moved around a little bit in the Bay Area. So I had a few different schools I was going to. But I always, I always wanted to be part of the, I forget the name of the, like the advanced, smarter kids 
group gate i think it was called gate i don't remember hmm. but i always wanted to be part of that <laughs> and i'm like oh, i guess i'm not smart enough and now come to find out only the beginning of last year did i realize that i was no it's beginning of this year that i was 2e oh that i mm. learned what that is i didn't know what that was i just for so literally i learned this year at the age of well at the time i was 40 i'm 41 now because i had a birthday happy birthday to me woo boo <laughs> that that i was that i have 2e meaning twice exceptional that's what the E means. And that you are gifted, but that you have something else. They usually say disability. I don't like that word. That you have something else that masks your giftedness. Mm. So in my case, my intelligence is there, but my ADHD masks it because I don't like to do homework. <laughs> I'm super smart. I like I do well on tests, but I don't, I don't do homework. Mm-hmm. So tedious. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was same same here. I didn't I never I basically didn't do any homework, but I did really well on tests. So it was like I, I could squeak by. I would get like C's, and I'm like, well, that's good enough. Because or oh yeah, it, it depended on the teachers. Some teachers would like you know weigh the test a lot higher, and then I'd get A's in those classes because I always mm. I always tested really well. But I didn't. I just didn't do any homework at all. And so yeah, that definitely kind of held me back from doing any sort of yeah advanced placement or like what, gate or I think here they have like a quest program like yeah. anything like that. Once I got to yeah. about junior high or later, it's like, well, that's never going to happen because I don't do homework anymore. <laughs> and exactly. so I'm just sort of stalled in that area. Yeah. Yeah. Some students are straight A's. I was straight C's. Yeah. Sounds like you were too. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I'm a straight I'm a straight C student. Welcome to the straight C society. <laughs> that's what I would start. That'd be great. Uh, but so, yeah, that that's kind of like the, the origin story, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I remember what I said to my therapist, the the like the first appointment, which is like 30 days after my diagnosis and getting meds. And I told her this. The first this is the first sentence when I sat down. I said, this feels like cheating. As in, when I took the meds, I was able to do everything I wanted to do, which was, that is a very strange feeling to me because there's lots of things I want to do, Jesse, <laughs> uh, but I can't do them. Like the brain will let me, the, like mm-hmm. I need the dopamine uh, or the, 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 what do you say? The lethargy is real. And uh, I remember, I think it was like day two or day three, I completely changed around my room. Like I, I had actually written out and measured everything and drawn it to plan, drawn it to scale even of like, that way I know I could pre-move things and figure out on paper and figure out if they were going to fit or not. And then mm. uh, I've even, I even sometimes I'd take it into SketchUp uh, when redesigning a room just, just so I know like. In a, in a 3D space where things will fit and how things will be as far as a flow, as far as like how, you know, to walk around. Being able to visually see and lay out things, especially in say 3D, helps with, I guess, helps with, I, I say 4D thinking, right? Of like thinking things mm-hmm. through and then understanding, okay, what are the new set of problems that this that could arise from this configuration or this uh Right. situation but but i basically just did it because i've never had and i can say this i've never had the ability to do something without thinking about it okay and i am writing a book uh about our kind of brain types in the world in one of the one of the frameworks i'm i see is i see that there's a spectrum or a uh yeah spectrum's good right because it's from one end i like to call kamikaze and the other end is perfectionist okay and we all kind of like, I even see not neurotypical folks as well, fall along somewhere on this um, on this path. But I do see that the neurotypicals are like huddled in the center. They're a little bit more mm-hmm. balanced than the neurodiverse. Whereas the neurodiverse, we could be in the center. We could be also on the fringe 
And when I mean kamikaze, kamikaze is just another word I'm using for uh, impulsivity. Mm-hmm. Now, no disrespect to the Japanese who this is the word comes from them, right? They're pilots. But I, I only use the word kamikaze in the sense of that to do things without thinking, uh, the, that kind of level of impulsivity, which I'm newly married. Definitely see that in my wife. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. And uh, whereas I know that I'm closer to the perfectionist side of things where, you know, the, the planning side of things. And the way I see things is that uh, as I get better about just not being so perfectionism, I'm pushing away from perfectionism to push to get closer to the center. Whereas my wife has to push away from impulsivity and like proper communication and things like that. So she's pushing away from that end of -hmm. the spectrum to get more towards center. But I do see that like this as a pattern of us that just in just in terms of those are like polar opposites, if you will. Where do you feel you fit you lie on this spectrum of, you know, kamikaze to perfectionist? Yeah, uh, definitely on more of the kamikaze or impulsive side i i feel like a lot of times i say my kind of my normal mode of functioning is juggling chainsaws like i'm basically like it's it has to be risky and sort of intense and like moving and when it starts to get boring uh i just add another chainsaw um (laughs) and so it's just Mm -hmm. like keeping it keeping that chaos like I feel like the chaos really drives me and that's uh for me how I get stuff done is adding more chaos and then eventually it does I mean juggling chainsaws isn't going to be pretty when it finally collapses um and that's so I know I basically kind of am trying to keep collapse at bay as long as I can but I also know that I can't just set down the chainsaws because if I do that then it's gonna it like my momentum stops completely and so then Mm -hmm. it's like to do anything is like this herculean effort to like get moving again and so I like kind of have to constantly stay in motion otherwise I get myself into real trouble Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, I feel like there should be a like a, an MLC, uh, which is the minimum level of chaos <laughs> right. uh-huh. in, in, in our lives of just to feel, I guess it, it, it's to tread water, if you will. The, the treading, the actual act of treading is like, it's the chaos, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, okay, if the chaos dies down, then there is no more movement in the treading of water. Then you are just actually sinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, and, and of course, then when there's too much treading, then you're actually flailing and then you could find yourself sinking again because there's like the idea is that there's this equilibrium or a, a balance point of actual, you know, effort of, of movement to tread, if you will, to of treading water to uh, keep your head above it. Right. I made it up right now on the fly. I've never thought of this before. <laughs> I think it's. I think it works. That's a good good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> but I like that that MLC that minimum level of chaos. Uh, I observe that myself where I I I see a therapist twice a week. It's great, guys. This is the best. And I know that the fundamental reason I see a therapist is for her to tell me I am not crazy. That's it. Mm. That's all it is. Like, hey, I got these ideas. This or these things happen. Da, 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 or this situation, and then. Basically, I just listen for, you're not crazy and I feel good. And then I keep going on my life. Hmm. Uh, and I bring that up because I'll, I'll ask her about, I just, just, I just don't want to lose this. We're just talking about it. Um, oh, that I'm more productive when I'm in a course and I don't have enough time than when I'm not in a course and have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also part of the MLC, the, the minimum level of chaos. Yeah, I mean, for sure. That last year, I did the Ship Thirty for Thirty writing course, which really kind of started me, you know, 
talking more publicly and writing about ADHD stuff. And I got more done during that first month in that course, which was chaos. Like, I don't know how I was writing like every single night for 30 days, but I got more done during that month than any other month the rest of the year, even though I was continuing to create stuff afterwards. Like, yeah, being kind of that, there's something about, I mean, there's a reason that cohort courses are really starting to take off because like it, it, it really captures kind of like the best parts of the classroom and gets rid of all of the awful stuff of the classroom. Because mm -hmm. in like a cohort based course, everyone there is there because they want to be there, not because like they have to be there. And so everybody's mm -hmm. excited about what they're doing and whatever the topic is, you're all kind of like minded and just kind of on the same page. And then that drives you to continue doing stuff. And it's yeah, there's like this chaos of like it felt like I never had enough time to write the essays because I was, was writing a short essay every single night for 30 days. And there was like almost almost not a single day in there that I feel like, ah, that was easy. I had plenty of time to do that every time. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to get this done frantically so I can uh, get to sleep because I always did it like at the end of the day, which was not the best plan. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. There's something about that chaos of not having enough time to do something that really drives a lot more productivity and uh, creation that way. Yeah. And, but the thing is, it's also not sustainable. Like, right. It, you know, it's 30 days. It has a timer on it. Mm -hmm. 30 days. And didn't, if it, it's about setting expectations because if they said, Oh, this is going to be a hundred days of writing. You're like, okay, I'm going to get really gear up for this hundred days. Um, <laughs> right. Then, then you've set the expectation of hundred days, but if it's 30 and you like what happened on day 31, Jesse, <laughs> day 31 i took a day off Did and then you i write? didn't i, I was gonna no. say yeah i didn't write and then i didn't write again for like several weeks i like i was able to get back into it but yeah it was like the day once i took that break then it was just like all of the it's gone like all the and i wanted to write like i wanted to take a day off and then get back to writing and then i just like didn't for weeks and that same sort of thing has happened with writing my book like Writing my book has been very much like, you know, fits and starts where I'll have like, I'll have like three weeks where I'm like cranking out stuff. I'm writing so much every single day and feeling like I'm in it. And then I don't know, I'll do something and feel like I deserve a break. A six month break? Yeah. Yeah. Six month break? <laughs> yeah. Six months break sounds good, right? Right. And then the thing is that happened, that conversation happens in the subconscious that you're not aware of. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then the conscious brain is just like, I just need a break. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I'm with you. I'm dealing something with right now, Jesse, that I took a well, it's not as bad as six months, but it's still been like four and a half, five, almost five months. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, now but now it's like my life's mission. <laughs> like I have to do this. This is all I have to do. I have to do this. I cannot let this uh say fester. Right. Um, the thing that I found that really kind of got me back into it, because I hit I started writing my book last August and then I got to about uh, it was probably around November-ish that I stopped and then I didn't write anything basically for like three or four months. And the thing that kind of like re-energized it for me is I started, I, I basically set a goal of like, okay, I'm going to release this to some beta readers. So I got a list of beta readers. And then once I had that of like, oh, whatever I have is going to out to my beta readers in two weeks. Then it was like, oh man, well, what I have right now is garbage. So I have to fix all this before I let anybody see it. And so that was really what kind of like lit the fire again and got me back into it. And then I was really productive and I got the you know copy out to the beta readers. And then I've basically done that since. So like I, beta readers gave me their feedback. I went through it and it was great. 
And then I paused for a little bit. And then I set a new goal of like, okay, I'm going to release a new draft to beta readers by this date. And then that would help motivate me to, so I'm almost, I'm, I'm, I'm like making up these deadlines, but because I'm, there, there's beta readers, I'm telling people the deadline. So it's, so my brain isn't able to just be like, ah, it's not a real deadline. We're going to ignore it. It's like, no, no, I've told people. And so I have to do it now. Um, and that's really been the thing that's helped me get this book moving because I want to get out. I want it to be done, but man, it's a lot of work. So like creating these deadlines with some external accountability has really been sort of a driving force for me. And as you say that, I'm looking at my own force deadline, which is coming up in two days. <laughs> I still have to do the work, but it mm -hmm. it's the deadlines. Why is it that, you know, the quote, it wasn't for the last minute, nothing would ever get done. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, it's it's true. Jesse, the stress, the stress is nuts. OK, like it's we have to figure out. I feel like that's what that's the biggest life puzzle that uh, all of us ADHD people have is just and we're all unique. So mm -hmm. my my answer is may not work for you or you tried it and it doesn't work for you. And that's OK. Mm -hmm. we, all, we all have our own uh, unique brains, our own unique ways of dealing with uh, ADHD for sure. Like I, I find. Yeah. People, there is no like absolute truth in what ADHD looks like because mm -mm. it's peppered and like changed through how you grew up. And there's all sorts, there's all sorts of factors involved. I was just talking with somebody today, um, or actually on a previous episode where I was talking with Nick Nieblis and we were talking about how for me, I always have to have sound going. Like my brain is like, it's, it's like I have, my brain needs all these things to pay attention to and I have to like give it something so that I can focus on the thing I want to focus on. So I'm going to give it this music playing. So I'm going to have music playing in the background and then I'm able to focus on something else at the same time. So like music that, you know, doesn't have lyrics or anything. And Nick was saying, um, well, he, he, he does music sometimes, but he said for him, silence is ideal. Like he doesn't want any sound happening at all, um, which is totally the opposite for me. Like silence sounds like torture. Like I would not enjoy having no sound at all. And I think that's just, that's just like one example of there's so many different things about ADHD that are really diverse from brain to brain. Um, like diverse is the thing, like we're neurodivergent or neurodiverse because our brains are so unique in all these different ways. And there's no like, there's no clean answer of like, this is what ADHD brain is like. Um, cause it, right. there's so many factors kind of involved in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, I have a theory. I, I do have, I guess a, my unique point of view on this where, okay, I'm going to go back to what I think what I believe is our kind of like life quest. One is to get away from the stress, right? Like how do we live a life where we're either we enjoy the things we're doing last minute or we just kind of eliminate the things we don't enjoy and getting away from the stress. We're still going to have it, right? This is very much like the uh, uh, Nassim Taleb or Talib, I forget how to pronounce his last name, uh, anti-fragile anti or anti-fragility mm. concept theory, concept. I like concept because you no, know, you're, Good and bad is going to happen to you. And therefore, what is your disposition throughout that? Right? It's kind of like that. Mm -hmm. Not letting like the big, bad, negative things get you down. But for me, it's it was it's always been about get, getting rid of reducing the stress and being present, right? And I collect little things that always help me, little things like quotes that help me with understanding what happiness is and what it looks like. Uh, like one I love that people always, I'm surprised not many people have heard of I'm always surprised when people when heard this one is um, happiness is wanting the things you already have. You see, was that so bad? Was that you're like, whoa, that's pretty, that's pretty righteous. Yeah, because um, we're 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 afforded the pursuit of happiness. We are not guaranteed it. And then I even have a piece written on my own on my blog uh, about innocuous propaganda. 
And that is a piece about kind of things that are disguised as life advice, but that actually keep us from happiness, from our happiness, our own happiness. Um, and I give examples of like mm. how breakfast was essentially breakfast was a marketing invention because one of the clients, Kellogg's, wanted to sell more cereal. And they went to the Mad Men on Madison Avenue and <laughs> they came up with slogans like breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, same, very similar story to the pork industry and they wanted to sell more bacon and they came up with bacon and eggs. Like that is an, that those three words is a, came from marketing. Mm-hmm. And even in my culture, I'm, I'm Punjabi, I'm Northern Indian. That's, I was born in London, but my parents are both Punjabi. Um, and, and our food, in our cultural food, we don't have a concept of breakfast. Like there is no breakfast foods. And if you actually zoom out and take a look, why is it that Americans, and I'm, a, I'm an American, I have a passport, I can say this. Why is our breakfast actually dessert? And I say this as someone who loves, oh my God, loves <laughs> a waffle. Oh my God, I love a waffle. Mm-hmm. A nice Belgian waffle. Oh, yes. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I, I can say this as somebody who, who loves it and who totally like, hey, other people are doing it too, so I'm going to do it as well. Um, <laughs> so I'm that guy too. But also like, yeah, our breakfast, most of it is essentially dessert. That's my that's like one example. Even, uh, even the idea of home ownership, and it's, I believe, from the 50s because there was lots of space. There was a boom in making homes and so kind of making this dream that like you should move out you should own your own piece of americana mm-hmm. and now it's kind of one of these things we we if we don't have it then we consider ourselves failures and i don't believe that mm-hmm. so this is what i mean by innocuous propaganda it could be little things that you internalized and now have your own self expectations of but you don't have to do that i think i know for me and this is again we're all unique and i've met so many other people that also neurodiverse and each of us have our, our own unique things but for me i know my values and i know what i deeply care about and that is that is connection that is the time i spend talking with you on this podcast the time that we actually not many people know this but we've actually met and i really enjoyed the time we spent together and for me that's that is let's say the uh the, the juice of life as if life was a fruit you juiced it and what would come out you know the juice uh that is for me the juice of life is is connection and so i fight for that awesome well i think that yeah. that's a uh that uh this is a great time i think to switch over to uh wrap up the show with our shiny objects so shiny objects is uh the part of the show where we talk about uh one or two things that have been kind of entertaining our brains lately something you want to recommend whether it could be a book or a show or just a hobby you're really into uh right now uh what kind of shiny object has been uh yeah prominent in your life uh, lately okay good this will connect back to what i just said <laughs> so one of the my COVID projects that i've that i put together uh over it took me over a year is a home cinema and i like using the word cinema because that's what we would call place what theaters in america yeah in, in england we call it cinema because the theater is where you go to to watch a play <laughs> but that's americans that's, that's fine that's what they call it but i call it a home cinema and uh it's a craigslist home cinema jesse the finest in uh used goods that i could find on craigslist i should tell you uh and th- like i have a specific um i really love bang and olsen products the way they're designed and the way they sound uh especially the older ones because hmm. the new ones will hurt my wallet greatly like so greatly right but uh this way i like the older stuff i like being able to resurrect things and, and that's part of the project part of the fun as well as piecing it together finding what's available and always always kind of hunting for those deals <laughs> 
and like being like first mover advantage type of things. So that's that was kind of the fun during COVID to piece together a like surround sound. It's still not done. I'm, I'm my trying to get it to an Oro 3D, which is a European, okay. very popular in Europe kind of uh, spec of surround sound. Then upmix my Atmos to it. If you go to if you ever watch any of the uh, home theater people on YouTube, there's a whole home theater YouTube area people. That, yeah, I try I the, try to guard my wallet and stay away from that stuff because I know absolutely oh yeah. it would suck suck me in. Why you think I? Why you think I'm hanging out on Craigslist? <laughs> right. Because the wallet, right? I told yeah, you. Yeah. So it's a, wall, it's a Craigslist home theater. Even the seats. I've always loved these um, specific design within reach uh, flight recliner seats. But they're very pricey. They're like 4K each. Mm. So when I find them used, I get them down to like, I find them. And hopefully they're in my range of, let's say, about 300-ish. Some I've gotten less. I think one I paid 350. I got three of them, different colors. It took me over a year and a half to find three. <laughs> but that is like the first row, the front row of my cinema. And then the back row is like seats I just had laying downstairs, but got them on risers. So basically, I'm trying to tell you is I built a home cinema. But not for just for me, but for my family, for mm. uh, everyone to sit down and enjoy. Because I love watching I love experiencing films. Like, do you ever think, Jesse, why, why is it that we watch films re- again? We already know what happens, but why do we watch things again? Uh, I, I feel like the reason I watch uh, movies again that I've already seen is to to relive the feeling that it gave me the first time around. Like that, th- there's something about film exactly that really t- can touch you deep inside. And like the best films carry that through watching it again. You get that feeling again like it remains true uh with even with repeated viewings even though like you said you know it's coming but it's still there's something about like really good art that can just touch you uh and really impact you the same way um over and over again you you hit it right in the head it is to it's to re-experience feelings and to re-experience the feelings we had when we watched it for the first time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so as long as we're in you know we watched it under good situations when we're experiencing like a sad part of life, we probably don't want to, or at least maybe it helped us get through it. But yeah, we re- we want to re-experience our feelings. So that's why I, you know, I think my family, we all love, I love cinema. I love that. Mm-hmm. So building that. And now let's talk about the shiny things is I think there's, we have a, this year has been a great blessing for actually really good cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which did not take place in my cinema, in my home cinema. It was actually recently, it is of it's a new Top Gun movie. It's a new Top Gun Maverick, right? But here's the thing. Yeah, you can watch it in IMAX. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know what you need to watch it in, which is the way I watched it? You need to watch it in a 4DX cinema. <laughs> that is 4 Delta X-ray. 4DX. What is 4DX? Well, go to YouTube, you'll find it out. But I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> it's uh seats that can can physically move. They're I guess they're on they are controlled. I'm uh, I'm assuming hydraulics, because that's I mean, I'm not a light dude, so it's a lot of mass to move. And there's four seats in like one, say, module where it can um, pitch forward, it can yaw, it can mm. um, rotate, it can. Uh, it's got also like little butt kicker transducers in the seat. It's got vibration, it's got even compressed air around your neck and around your feet. It's got fans inside the cinema, <laughs> it's got strobes as well, it's got smoke and fog in the front. Uh, if it's raining, there's effects for rain. There's also effects for water right in your face if that applies for it. And what better way to experience any film where you can also kind of feel and mimic the movement on screen than freaking Top Gun. <laughs> and I have yet, I was waiting to experience a movie in 4DX because it was a recent addition to my theater. And I was like, Spider-Man? No, we watched it in IMAX. But, when, but with Top Gun, I'm like, no, 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 no. This is it. This is the moment we're all going to go. We're all going to experience it. And that, Jesse, I'll tell you what. It's a two-hour thrill ride, like a literal 
thrill, like ride, as in, I brought my aunt who's visiting from London, and uh, you know we got the large popcorn, and she was holding on to that popcorn, trying to keep it contained for dear life. <laughs> Poor thing. I wish, I wish the seat had a seatbelt. I think she would have felt more secure. <laughs> but she, but at the end of it, uh, so I took, I took my wife, I took my mom, I took my aunt, and all three of them were giggling like schoolgirls at the end. Mm-hmm, so they mm-hmm. felt this enormous. Uh, a rush of, of adrenaline, of just this feeling of just everything together. So that is one. That is number one. Okay, go. If you can see it, wait a second. This is going to come out many months later, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's I all right. should have chosen something less timely. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, fine. Fine. Next shiny object is you can actually probably still watch this uh, on Netflix because it is on Netflix right now. And it's a film called RRR. Hmm. And it is from the Tollywood area, uh, Tollywood in the film industry, which means it's the Telugu and Tamil film industry of India. Now, I'm of Punjabi or um, Northern India, which is Bollywood is our movie industry there because Bombay, Hollywood, Bollywood, mm-hmm. right? There you go. And uh, But oh my God, RRR is a feast for the eyes, Jesse. And uh, I've never seen a, a Tollywood film before. It is three hours, 10 minutes long, just so you know, but it doesn't feel that way. Oh, this is the best movies. Don't let, don't let you feel it. And I was shocked at, uh, I guess I'm going to say this, white people reviewing movies youtube industry because it's it's an industry in its own there <laughs> uh that they fell over like gushing over nuts over this film like really white people okay okay <laughs> white people excited about oh let's check it out let's do it and uh, we did watch that in the home cinema and my goodness what a feast what a wonderful expression of cinema what a everything that is fun about cinema if you will uh, it's not it's not shawshank here it's not trying to like be real no 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 this is it's like a it's like a bit of a marvel movie a bit of like wushu like uh crouching tiger hidden dragon okay. with the with the bombastic nature that is tollywood and tollywood just takes things from bollywood as well not just takes things but like it amplifies it <laughs> like turns it up to spinal tap 11 uh and it's just a a wonderful experience um yeah that's that's yeah it's that and awesome the biggest the best thing is to share this with others that's it <laughs> all right let's wrap it that's, up that's that's great uh i want to i'm going to do my shining object real quick i had one plan but i'm going to pivot uh based on you talking about your in-home cinema so my wife and i just saw uh everything everywhere all at once and that is a movie that really uh, hit me and gave me a feeling and that's one I cannot wait to watch again. It's a very strange movie. If you've never seen a movie by Daniels, um, which is the two the two direct writers and director, uh, writers and directors of the movie, um, they both, their first name is Daniel. And so they've previously have done movies like Swiss Army Man, which is one of the weirdest movies you'll ever see. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of a fan of weird movies um, when they're done really well and Daniels movies are done extremely well. Um, but Everything Everywhere All at Once, I think there's almost really like an ADHD undertone to it as well, um, because the there's a the main character is somebody who imagines all these things that she could have done with her life. She has like a million hobbies because there's all these things that she wants to do. And then the movie really just, it goes kind of off the deep end exploring that, like what if these alternate realities that she could have lived. And I won't go more into it more than that, but it's... Yeah, so good because I'm watching Saturday. Oh, you're watching I'm Saturday. watching Saturday Perfect. in the home cinema. Okay, awesome. In the home cinema, I'm waiting till Saturday. Well, today's a Tuesday, if you must know, for those recording and listening at home. Uh, it's because my brother comes home, and that is uh, just the eve of his birthday. But we will watch it then, and we're watching it together again. That together connection. Awesome. So you'll have to you'll have to let me know what you think of it because I I was floored by it. I love it. One of my 
one of my new favorite movies of all time. Um, so yeah, I'm expecting it to be. A- I'm expecting it to, I guess, be this generation's Matrix. I feel weird saying this generation because Matrix was my generation. What are you talking about? I felt the same. I mean, I while watching the movie, I was reminded of the way that I felt watching the Matrix in the theater. It had that sort of like, oh, this is a moment. This is like, this isn't just any old, like, I don't want to build up the expectations. So then you see it and are disappointed. But it had that same sort of vibe of like, oh, this is something wholly unique that's never really been done in cinema before uh and i loved it but yeah let's go let's go ahead and wrap up why don't you uh quickly tell people where they can go to follow you and kind of see uh things that you're doing online okay so i think first thing jesse you and i enjoy twitter so Mm -hmm. follow me i'm i'm at caraminder that's kilo alpha romeo alpha mike india november delta echo romeo also, please learn your native alphabets, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. If you can find me at, using my first name, you can find me anywhere. So my blog that I talked about with the articles that I wrote, I've written, which uh, definitely every single article has something to do with ADHD, whether I mentioned it or not. It just does. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that caraminder.com for that. Yeah, Twitter, caraminder. And then what I was going to tell you is that I have what I believe Jesse is what I'm, what I'm building now um, as a, an entrepreneur, as a businessman, is my three C's. A course, a community, and a coaching practice slash consulting as well but the course will will launch hopefully by the time this comes out uh, and then the course begins two weeks after that and that is called course charisma and then you can find that at coursecharisma.academy and that is for those it's a course where i'm showing everything i know about how to build and have and foster connection over the internet with your audience Nice. Well, we will make sure to have links uh, in the show notes as well as a transcript of the episode. And you can also find that on the website, which is just ADHDnerds.com. And yeah, thank you so much for being here, Karaminder. It was great to hang out and chat again. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. I especially want to thank our VIP patrons, Luce Carter, Richard Stevens, Todd Barnett, and Dan Ott. It helps me do this show and the other work I do. So thank you so much for the support. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash jessej. That's J-E-S-S-E-J. You can always support the show for free by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or the podcast player of your choice. Full show notes and transcripts are available at ADHDnerds.com.